Let us prepare ourselves to listen to God's word to us through the Holy Spirit and the words of Scripture found today in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night, and we are not of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. St. Augustine said, no one but you is a teacher of the truth, whatever the immediate place in which or the immediate source from which it shines forth. Lord, my prayer is that this sermon and this service will be such a place of shining forth today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This fall, as many of you know, I'm preaching a series of sermons aimed at answering fundamental questions about our life together. Why church? Why Westminster? Why join? Why give? And why tithe? In addressing the first question, I said that the why of church is community. But not simply the community we find among others of similar interest or disposition, but the community in which our service, worship, learning, and life together leads us to develop or grow in our Christian faith. The why of church is the community that draws us closer to God. To the second question, I said that the particular why that Westminster offers to the larger Holy Catholic Church is traditional Protestant worship centered around thoughtful preaching and sacred music that's drawn from several genres over the centuries, as well as an intentional welcome that we extend to people who are at vastly different stages of their faith and to people who bring to the church a variety of political and social viewpoints that are found in our city, in our nation, in our world at this time in our history. 
Today I want to ask a simple question. Why join? Why join a church? In some ways it's an odd question, or at least a question that doesn't relate to every denominational tradition. My understanding is that if you were born into a Roman Catholic family and remain Catholic, when you move into a new neighborhood, you are more or less assigned membership into the nearest parish. At the opposite end of Christianity, if you came into faith by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior through a revival meeting, rural or urban, in person or electronic, through a youth retreat, or through a college campus ministry, your religious awakening or conversion may have occurred outside and unrelated to membership in any specific congregation. I'm also told that several megachurches across the country in their focus on reaching the unchurched or seekers downplay traditional membership and even the collection of offerings so that people will not have to jump through any institutional hoops like serving on committees, being an officer, making a financial commitment. In the grand scheme of Christianity across the centuries and continents, no one of these approaches is superior or inferior to our more structured and formal Presbyterian emphasis on membership in a local church. But because it is Westminster Presbyterian Church in which we worship and for whom I'm spiritually responsible, I'd like to offer us a basic understanding of what membership in a Presbyterian church means at its best. Several years ago, I made the acquaintance of a man and woman in their mid-30s. They were married to each other, both worked in public service. They had tried to have children, but when they realized they were unable they decided to become foster parents. The boy they were fostering when I knew them was a delightful and friendly eight-year-old, but he had significant mood swings, which had rendered him a challenge to his biological parents, to the state agency which oversaw his care, and to a series of foster homes in which he had lived. Yet after a few months, this couple had decided that they would like to adopt him. That process was nearing completion during the time that I knew them prior to their move to another city. They were a couple intensely committed in their Christian faith. Their faith was a major reason they were choosing to adopt this challenging child but they were not members of a congregation. The man told me that they would choose a church and attend every Sunday, but if the minister preached or taught something with which they significantly disagreed, or if the minister asked them to become involved in a leadership position in the church, they would move on to another congregation. We expect sound doctrine, he said, and we do not want to be involved in the politics of a congregation. As strong as this couple were in their faith and as wonderful as they were to the boy they were adopting, they never joined a church. 
They were, by their own choice, Christians without a congregation to call home. Now, I realize that they're that this example, that their example, is radically different from most of us. While we may share their sense that the internal politics of any church is something we would prefer to avoid, and we may have some sense that we would not want to go to a church in which the preaching or teaching was, was absolutely not a fit for what we believe, most of us are more inclined to hold back from a church because of mildness or tolerance in our faith rather than intensity and clarity. But what we may have in common with this couple is some sense that the faith we have, no matter how nascent or well-developed, can exist apart from the community in which it has been created, the church. While I do not want to deny that we can come to and even grow in our faith apart from a congregational setting, I still want to offer three interrelated and ascended and ascending answers to the question, why actually join a church? So here goes. The first reason to join a church is that it represents a change we are making in our lives. The passage we read from the Apostle Paul is one of many which describes a commitment to Christ as being akin to putting on an entirely new set of clothes. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians, let us put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with Christ. Paul was especially fond of this idiom of putting on clothing as a symbol of the change involved in making a commitment to Christ. A New Testament scholar at Yale, the late Paul Minear, wrote a classic book on called The Images of the Church in the New Testament. And one of the major images that he found, mainly from Paul, is this image of putting on new attire. For Paul, he wrote, the Christian has a single inclusive obligation to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. All who have been baptized have been clothed with Christ. This choice of clothing can be described as it is in Paul's letters, as the works of darkness or the armor of light, as nakedness or as heavenly dwelling, as the deeds of the night or as the weapons for the day as the old self or the new self. The clothing to be donned by the the faithful is described as the armor of God. Truth, righteousness, faith, the spirit. Or less grandiosely is deeds of compassion, kindness, meekness, and love. The choice of clothing that we make is never casual or incidental. 
When we put on love, we put on the very image of our Creator. And the new nature is tantamount to membership in a new humanity where Christ is all and is in all. Mynir concludes, Paul does not even hesitate to describe the resurrection of the dead as the mortal nature putting on immortality. My friends, when we join a church, we move from simply considering Christianity, from visiting churches from time to time with friends, from attending on holidays, baptisms or weddings or funerals, to aligning ourselves with one congregation for better or worse, for worship, learning, service, and life together. We are planting ourselves in the midst of a particular people at a particular time and place. We are making a change from being an onlooker, consumer, tourist, taste te tester, fair-weather fan, to making a commitment to Christ in and through the life of a congregation. Just as when we buy a new outfit, don a new uniform, dress up for a new occasion, our outward attire signifies an inner change on our part, a new or a renewed commitment. We join a church because we are putting on the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of hope for salvation, indeed the whole armor of God. And the second reason we join a church, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, is community. We're, we are choosing to live out a change we are making within a community of others who are committed to making the same change. In the passage we read today, Paul hints at community near the end without dwelling on it. After calling the Thessalonians to put on the breastplate of faith and love, he adds, encourage one another. Build up one another. When we join ourselves to a congregation, we are asking the members of that congregation to encourage and build us up in the change we are making, the change that has brought us to the congregation in the first place. Richard Niebuhr once spoke of the three-way conversation of people with God and with one another in the presence of God. Our faith in God is not just a conversation between ourselves and God, as if we were Tevia stepping away from the action on stage at Fiddler on the Roof and dialoguing with God. Rather, our faith is a three-way conversation involving ourselves, our God, and the community in which we worship, all in the presence of God. Now, the third reason we join a church is challenge. 
and the challenge cuts two ways. When we join a congregation, we will almost certainly meet people whom we so come to admire that we are challenged to grow more like them. I realized this many years ago through a longtime member of the church I was serving at, a time, at the time. June Bradley was a quiet, white-haired, recently widowed woman who nearly every day drove from her small wood frame home to the church in her rather rusty car. She would work in the food bank, in the clothing closet, in the meals program, working alongside and serving people who lived on the streets or in the shelters nearby. She attended worship each Sunday, adult education beforehand, helped in the kitchen whenever there were funeral receptions, served on the stewardship committee. Legend had it, which she later confirmed as true, that she had been one of the first women elected to the session of that congregation 40 years earlier, and that when the session had voted to ask the minister at the time to resign, she opposed the motion. But none of the men had the courage to convey the results to the minister. Men. And so she volunteered. During my time in that congregation, she pledged to a building renovation campaign that we were conducting $12,000 of the $36,000 she had remaining in her stock account. At one point, the staff and leaders of the church became worried about the number of people from the streets and the shelters who were coming into the church for assistance. And we started researching security systems and devising emergency procedures that would enable us to welcome and serve people, but still ensure that our members felt safe. After one meeting, I looked out the window and noticed on the street in front of the church, June Bradley helping into her rusty car a homeless man who had come to the church several times. It turns out that she took him to her home, fed him dinner, allowed him to stay with her a few days until a room became available at a shelter. Security procedures out the window. It is tough when, as a minister, your members are more Christ-like than you are. But it is not just those to whom we look up in the congregation who challenge us to be more in our faith than we already are. It is also people with whom we sometimes would just as soon not have to interact the difficult church member who seems to be in every group that we are in. The person who doesn't quite know when to stop talking. The person who doesn't quite pick up on social cues, especially when we're the one who gives them. The person who seems to be all talk and no action. The person whose bumper sticker never quite matches our own leading up to an election. The church is full of people who challenge us by not being like us 
or at least not being like the way we perceive ourselves to be. But the challenge they offer can lead us to grow as well. We join a church because we are challenged by those we admire and by those we cannot quite manage to admire. We grow in our faith from both. So why join? Why join a church? It's three simple C's. Change, community, and challenge. Our faith is a three-way conversation between God, ourselves, and one another in the community of faith, which is the church. Amen.